Again, good morning, everybody. Um, today, what I'm going to talk about is prodigal sons and daughters. Please turn to Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 31. And that's Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 31. I know you guys have heard the story, the prodigal son. And I'll start reading in verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found. Now this parable can be applied for believers and non-believers alike. Let me ask, what's your relationship with God like? How is it to you when your own children are disobedient or a child of yours is lost or has been lost? How about when you were lost yourself? Are you lost now? But we know God wants none of his creation to perish. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. In John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I know all of us have heard that verse before. 
He says, whoever believes in him will not perish. Not only certain people, whoever. But not all human beings are children of God. In Scripture, the lost are never referred to as children of God. Instead of being born as God's children, we are born in sin, which separates us from God and aligns us with Satan as God's enemy. Only those who are saved by Jesus Christ can become children of God. Ephesians 2, 3-5 says, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now, Look again at Luke 15, 12 through 16. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. How many of us at times in our lives live loosely? Are you still living loosely today? How many people would admit that? We don't have to. People can see it by your fruits. You know, I, I know. I've done it. And nothing comes of it except pain and destruction. Now verse 14 says, After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the paws that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. A little side note, to a Jew, that was a slap in the face. Feeding pigs for a Gentile was the lowest of low to them. That was the worst thing that they can do. And I think that's why Jesus put that in there because he was telling the Sadducees and Pharisees, look, this is how low he got. No one has anything to offer him. Even unclean animals are better off than he is. He is totally ruined. The son then reflects on his condition and realizes that his father's servants have it better off than he does. He discovers his desperate situation because of sin. And we all know to be outside of God's family is to be utterly alone. And part of God's grace is he'll, he'll allow you to become so destitute that you have no other vice to sidetrack you from his grace and his mercy. You know, you'll become so broken that Jesus Christ is the only one left in this life to turn to. The only other alternative is death and eternal separation from God. That's what happens when you come to that point in your life when you're totally broken. Do you call out to God? Or do you just stay in it and let it kill you? It's amazing how many people every day let it kill them. Non-believers, people who do not believe in Christ can see the Christians have something that they can't attain by worldly means. No matter how much money they have, 
No matter all the things they try to do to make them happy, they know with Christians they see something different. True Christians that believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. They don't want to admit it with their hearts or their minds. But they know it's salvation in Jesus Christ and that the Holy Spirit indwells a true believer. They know it. They just won't admit it. They may not freely attest to it, but they do see it, and it has to drive them absolutely insane wanting to know what our secret is, even though we tell them directly to their face over and over and over again until we're blue in the face. It's Jesus. But they don't get it. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to listen to us. What do they do? They try to rationalize it away. They want to call us, say we're nuts or brainwashed or a cult follower. I mean, we've heard it all. I'm sure you guys have too. But deep down, they know. They know there's a reason that they have a conscience that tells them the difference between right and wrong. God put that there for the reason. They will never admit it because admittance means moral accountability to God. And they don't want to be accountable to anybody except themselves. All of us were there at one point. We were on top of the world. We answered to no one. I'm about me. Nobody tells me what to do. I'm sure all of us can relate. Because that is our sin nature that doesn't want to listen to anybody. It wants to do what it wants to do. And what it wants to do is to drag us to our death. And Jesus Christ is the only thing that can pick us up and save us from that. Now, even as a Christian, I've fallen back into the world many times. Many times. It's, it's, it's taken God's grace, His kindness, His tolerance, and chastisement to get me to finally see that I strayed off the narrow path. Have you strayed? Are you drifting away now? If you are, are you going to ask God to forgive you of the sins that you're caught up in? You're going to ask Him to put you back in right standing with Him. In right fellowship. And this is something that I did for a long time. How long have you as a Christian wasted the gifts that God has given you? I still don't use all of them. And, I, and I'm ashamed of that fact. But, you know, I, I know God's going to work on me for that. How many of you are wasting gifts? How many of you are sitting on the gifts that God's given you? How many of you could help this church tremendously by the gifts God has given you, but nobody knows you have them? except for you and God. It's something to ask yourself. You know, on the same token, aren't you like the prodigal son? Are you squandering what's been given you by God, by the Father? Yeah, that's what we're doing. Revelation 2.4 says, But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now, truly saved Christians are not perfect nor should we ever act like we are. That's part of the problem. People think we're fake. God's strength is shown in our weaknesses, and that will stand out to non-believers. They'll see that we're real people. But there's something different because Jesus Christ has saved us. Showing the love of Jesus is showing the real you, the real you who Christ saved from the vicious path on which you were walking. Showing your true self glorifies the Father and what He has done much more than putting on a false facade of pompous fake Christianity. Let people see the Holy Spirit who is inside you, not you. Jesus said in Luke 
No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You cannot live for God if you still want to live in the world. Inventory your life and see if it is, quote-unquote, kingdom approved. What would Jesus say about some of the things that we do in our lives on a daily basis? I bet the answer is that we need to repent and flee from those things. Right? Then why aren't we doing just that? And as I always do, what does Scripture say? James 4.17 So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. We can only blame ourselves, not Satan, not other people, and absolutely not God for our sins. Again, James 1, 13 through 15 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And I had somebody ask me one time, well, what about the Lord's Prayer when it says, lead us not into temptation? Well, Scripture doesn't contradict itself. Basically, when you look at the definition and the meanings into that, it says God keep us from being led into temptation. That's what we're praying for. Don't let us fall into that sin. Christians and non-Christians alike, what do we do? Confess your sins, repent of them, get in fellowship with Jesus. Period. End of story. 1 John 1, 8-10, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. And I don't know about you, I do not want to make Jesus Christ a liar. Now go to verses uh, 17 through 20. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. That's mercy. You know, God gave all of us a moral compass to know the difference between right and wrong. We are without excuse. If you're discontent, lying, worried, lustful, spiteful, proud, I had problems with that this week. You know what the conclusion always is? I was out of fellowship with God. That means you're out of fellowship with God. You're sinning against Him. The prodigal son was broken. For most of us, we have to hit rock bottom before we see the need for a Savior in our lives. That's how proud and stubborn the, the human sin nature can be. It wants to decimate us, but God gives us many chances to choose to be freed from this destruction. Over and over and over and over and over and over again. I'm here. Listen to me. And God often uses self-inflicted misery to bring us to wisdom. But it's up to each of us individually to respond correctly. 
I know you guys have. Some of you may not have yet, but you think you have. Test yourselves. Now, as Christians, you know the Holy Spirit will and does convict you and correct you. The reason is, is to keep you from forgetting what Christ saved you from. Now, non-Christians, if you've not given your life to Christ, repent. Ask Him to forgive you for sinning against Him. God is who you're sinning against. You know what you've done wrong in your life. Those are sins, and it cannot be, and you cannot be in the presence of God Almighty who is perfect. Only the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord will wash away those sins and you will then become a child of God. Repent. The reckless son repented. In verse 21, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Well, what happened? Was he rejected or rebuked or sent away in shame? No, he was restored to the family. And for Middle Eastern culture, this was exact opposite of what they would do. If a son did that, he was shamed and was never allowed to come back. Jesus was showing them, God is different than you. God is not like men. God wants all to come to him. God forgives. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf. Kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they begin to celebrate. Now if you look up the page in Luke 15.10, there's two other parables there. One about the sheep and one about the, the woman and the silver coin. Now in 15.10 Jesus said, In the same way I tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. As Jesus Christ, our Savior, just said, When I became saved, all of heaven rejoiced over me. Those of you who have been saved, He rejoiced over you. Heaven rejoiced over you. Those of you who are not saved, all of heaven will celebrate when you give your life to Jesus Christ. Do you know how great an honor that is? That the Creator of the whole universe and His heavenly host and His Son celebrates when one of us gives our life to Christ. That is a huge honor. We become children of God when we are saved because we're then adopted into God's family through our relationship with Christ. Now John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Faith in Jesus Christ gives you the status and the right of being adopted by God the Father to become joint heirs with Christ for eternity. You would think that the older brother would be joyous that his younger brother came back home and was no longer lost. Nope, he wasn't. Now if you go to verses 29 through 32 and see the jealousy of the older brother who has already been given everything his father has, but is still resentful of the joy of the younger brother coming home. Verse 29, he says, But he answered and said to the father, Look, for so many years I've been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, he didn't even say he was his brother, this son of yours, he said, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you've always been with me. 
and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate, rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. We cannot limit and be partial to people who God can save. Only God can judge the hearts of men and women and those who is truly saved and truly lost. It's not for us to decide because we can't do it anyway. Only God can see the hearts of people and their true intentions and if they're truly saved or truly lost. Now as Christians, we should rejoice and praise God with all that we have when someone's saved. You know, Norman down here giving a fist pump hearing about the, the little girl getting baptized. You know, that's, that's how it should be. Give God the glory and praise Him always. Even if we've served God for 80 years and have had a tough road. You know, look at the apostles, what they went through, for example. We should always give glory to God for anyone who comes to Christ. We should never be envious because of the blessing God bestows upon them. Be thankful for what God gives you and what you go through. Give God the glory and praise Him no matter what. No matter what. If God gives any of us anything, be happy for it. That's why we come up here and ask for blessings and praises. And we also praise Him in our storms. In Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Not who we deem worthy or think should or can be saved. God wants all to come to Him. It's our job to let people know that. Once any of us have found the true love and mercy of Christ's grace, we can spread the joy of what that means for us for eternity. We are now His forever. We are with Jesus forever once we are saved. Romans 8, 39 kind of concrete and cements that fact. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Jesus himself says nothing can take you out of his hand or the Father's hand once you are his. Would you give up your life to save your children? I'm sure we would. Christ did the same for his. The relationship that he has with his own children is the standard for which we should have with our own. God protects us, feeds us, clothes us, teaches us, chastises us, punishes us, and loves us even as we become more and more disobedient as we traverse throughout our life. You notice how when children are just, they're little, they're defiant, but they're precious. And as they get older, they start to rebel. And as they get older, you rebel more. And even if we've been walking with Christ for a while, we still rebel at times, even though we know better. Now, if one of your children committed a crime and you knew they were guilty, you cannot deny that the prison sentence that they receive is just. Would you say that a person whom God created, rejecting his love and mercy their entire life, does not deserve punishment? Is it not fair and just that they should be reprimanded for their sins against a holy and perfect God? The prodigal son repented and ran to the father before it was too late. Because he knew, just like everybody else knows. And they're told over and over and over again throughout their life. He realized it before he died in his sin. Now what if someone says they're a good person? 
You probably hear that. I'm a good guy. Jesus said no one is good but God alone. Saying someone is good but is by their standard in the world, not by God's. We can never live up to God's standard. Only through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ are we made righteous in the sight of God. We have to view God's decree as righteous because those who reject Him and die in their sins are given their punishment fairly and justly. They were offered many chances to get away from that sin and become born again through the saving blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ our Lord. But they rejected Him again and again and again. They thought they were going to lose something in this life. They would not repent and ask God to forgive them and believe upon Jesus to save them from the just consequence that they know is coming. But one of the beauties of God's patience is this. God wants none to perish but to have eternal life. In 2 Peter 3, 8, 9, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why hasn't Jesus came back yet? Because God is waiting for all who can will come to Him. That's how much God loves us. The rest of us are just waiting. And we should be thankful that He's like that. Because He could have already taken care of it before we got here. You know? But He didn't. And we're blessed to be part of this generation who's seeing that fulfillment come around. The lost son squandered his inheritance and it took him being wrecked to realize he sinned against the Father. The same holds true for Christians who lose the first love of Christ they once had and squandered the inheritance so richly heaped upon them. Everybody repent. That word is never going to go away. Not in this church anyway. Sin, repentance, they have to be here. Because you can't come to know Jesus if you don't Repent of the sin that's going to kill you. Get in right standing with God and let the Holy Spirit lead our lives. Get out of God's way. Repentance means an absolute reversal of status. You go from a child of Satan to a child of God. I say that's a big reversal of status, wouldn't you? The lost son has become... A family member again. The father's acceptance of the remorseful son is total. This is God's grace. This is why God pursues sinners. This is why God has us pursue sinners. So that we can tell of that grace. 1 John 5.5 5 says, Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what you are. You guys are overcomers. I'm an overcomer. Because we know Jesus is the Son of God. Right? Amen? Time's running out. Please give your life to Christ if you've not done so. I can't say this more emphatically. You're never promised another day, an hour, a minute, a second. Ever. And for Christians, if you're out of fellowship with Him... Repent, repent, repent. Get back in right standing with God now. 
I had a problem with that this week. I had to get back in fellowship with God. As Stephanie said, the flaming darts of Satan fired at you. And they were coming at me in all directions this week. I didn't put on my armor. You don't put on your armor, you fall out of fellowship. If you're in sin, pray. He'll forgive you. That's something I can guarantee. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for saving us from being prodigal, from being lost. We thank you for Jesus. And when we say thank you, we can never thank you enough for what he did and what he's doing now. We can never thank you enough for creating us and giving us the ability to be with you again one day in heaven. I just wish that our minds could open up more so that we could understand the true meaning of this salvation. Father, I pray that you go with everyone today. Bless them. Heal them. And if they need anything, let them know we're here. And if we're not, you're always there. And we love you so much for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you for the love that you show us daily and that you show the lost daily. And if we are children of God, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will convict us to act like it. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.